Welcome to RaiderCast, the Tomb Raider podcast that delves into the myths, monsters and mysteries of Lara Croft's world. In this episode, I'll be covering a potentially controversial topic. Back when Tomb Raider was in its infancy, rumour has it that at one point, if only momentarily, it was suggested that there would be two Tomb Raiders. That we as the player would get to choose who our protagonist was. Lara Croft, or an unnamed male character who was forever lost to time since that idea didn't pan out. For this episode, let's run with that idea. What if one day a new Tomb Raider was released and Lara wasn't the protagonist? But I'm not suggesting a stranger take her place, no 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 no. What if that protagonist was her father, Richard Croft? So if you haven't already turned this episode off for its initially obvious blasphemous suggestion, thanks for sticking around. You may very well still be against this idea, and honestly, I wouldn't blame you. But let's be honest, I've probably said some much stranger things during the course of this podcast. So, Tomb Raider starring Richard Croft. Why him? What exactly could he offer in Lara's place? This hypothetical game would be based off the reboot trilogy's version of Richard, During the course of Reboot, Rise and Shadow, we are told the story of the effect Richard had on his daughter, and how much she came to idolise him. In fact, right up until the culmination of Shadow, it's highly debatable that Lara's entire motivation for tomb raiding is down to her father. She wanted the truth, she wanted to follow in his footsteps, she wanted revenge. He's a dad, and she was making up for lost time with him after he met an early demise. It shaped her whole life. He obviously means a great deal to Lara, and she never misses an opportunity to shoehorn him and his adventures into a conversation. So why should we care? Tomb Raider is about Lara Croft, after all. Except Lara is so obsessed with him that the narrative is trying to convince us to care about him too. Should we? Was he really that interesting? What could he bring to the series in Lara's place? Let's dive into his story. Lord Richard Croft was a studious-focused academic. His young adult years were spent travelling the world to further his research into archaeology. Along the way, he met Conrad Roth, whom he hired as his guide and bodyguard. When he wasn't travelling, he spent his time at the prestigious Oxford University where he gained his PhD, and also met the love of his life, Amelia. Now, while she was the love of his life, she wasn't the only thing running through his mind, because Richard had an obsession that often took priority over his relationship, and that was his belief in, and quest for, proof of immortality. During the next few years, the Crofts had a daughter, and everyone knows all about her, so we'll skip over that part for now. In time, the couple's travels took them around the world, notably to Morocco and to Egypt, and that's where Richard's quest took an unexpected twist. Amelia managed to obtain an ancient Tibetan scroll for Richard, which detailed the location of a monastery and an arcane immortality ritual. And naturally, this tickled his fancy. Off he went solo, exploring the Tibetan foothills until he found a hidden monastery occupied by friendly monks. Overjoyed at his discovery, he sent word to Amelia to join him. But disaster struck. On her journey to him, her plane crashed into the Himalayas. Amelia survived the crash, but stranded, spent her remaining time alone, cold and starving. By the time Richard and Roth reached her, it was too late. 
but in desperation, Richard implored the monks at the monastery to create the elixir of life in an attempt to bring back his beloved. The elixir didn't work, and distraught, he returned home and buried his wife. This marked a turning point in his life. From a spiral into depression, a new obsession grew. In a way, the hunt for a means of resurrection replaced his search for proof of immortality, and he clung to any and every hope that one day, somehow, he could see Amelia again. In time, he returned to travelling, casting an eye to the past to seek out any ancient arcane knowledge that could aid his quest. From his journal entries, we learn about some of these adventures. One trip takes him to Mexico, where he had a brief romantic encounter with someone named Leticia Cortez, another LC for the series. Sometime later, he returned to Mexico, where he met a man named Dominguez. Unbeknownst to Richard, Dominguez was the leader of a secret organisation known as Trinity. It's believed that Dominguez, seeing potential for a valuable new member of Trinity, aided Richard in his hunt for ancient secrets around Cozumel, though without revealing anything of any real consequence. Or so he thought, because whatever Richard did find was enough to lead him to Peru, and to the doorstep of a lost city, Paititi. He believed he would find something there to prove his beliefs, but sadly for him, he never found it. In an attempt to conceal the city from the rest of the world, Dominguez, who it turns out was from Paititi, used the influence of Trinity to destroy Richard Croft's reputation. Scholars began to turn against him. His research became more and more difficult. As trying to discover the truth about Paititi became nearly impossible, his research shifted focus towards the Deathless Prophet, who was in possession of an artefact known as the Divine Source. Richard believed that, for a time, this prophet had used the power of the artefact to gain temporary immortality, before he either lost the artefact or passed it on, and was himself laid to rest in a tomb in Syria. This new direction led him to meet a fellow archaeologist called Anna, and their friendship quickly became a relationship, arguably the second most important romantic relationship of his life, and he even introduced Anna to his daughter Lara. However, noting Richard's persistence to unveil the world's ancient secrets, Trinity stepped up their game to ruin Richard's scheme. The story was apparently big enough to make front-page news. In-game, we see it featured on two front covers, in October 2003, and again in this excerpt, from March 2004's edition of The London Observer. Disgraced, all published works removed from shelves. Croft will stay silent until new book printed. The evidence against Lord Richard Croft's recent claims continues to mount as Oxford University appears poised to officially cut ties with the once-renowned historian and archaeologist. Earlier this year, Lord Croft announced his intentions to publish a new work of research that had far-reaching implications to our understanding of the so-called myth of immortality. Lord Croft further claimed to have uncovered evidence with shocking implications far beyond the normally dry and inaccessible world of university-led archaeology. But almost as soon as he began to make the claims, his colleagues expressed doubt and dismay that Croft would employ such sensational and unseemly publicity stunts. The article goes on to accuse Richard of fraud, it suggests friends turned against him, and noted the prestigious university may cut ties with him after a trial. His life was spiralling out of control at this point, 
Becoming convinced he was being sabotaged and wrongly shunned, he built a secret vault beneath Croft Manor where he concealed his research and his discoveries. In a final turn of tragic events, his relationship with his daughter strained to breaking point, his academic career in ruins, with friends and family turning their backs on him, Richard pushing on with his quest to discover the lost city and the truth behind his research was the final nail in the coffin. Trinity, on the order of its leader, the Pitetian Dominguez, assassinated Richard and staged the murder to look like suicide. Nobody questioned his death. Widowed, disgraced, desperate. An open-shut case of one man's tragic spiral into depression and death. Of course, Lara would go on to prove his theories correct, clear his name, and avenge his murder. But that's another story. So let's look what we can take from all this, and if we had a game based around it, how would it play? An interesting thing worth noticing is that Richard's travel locations are very familiar. For a brief moment in Shadow of the Tomb Raider, we see his briefcase that's adorned with travel stickers. Where from? Peru, Greece, Egypt, China, Venice, Antarctica. These locations should stand out a mile to anyone who's played Tomb Raider between 1996 and 1999, since these are the locations Lara, in her classic biography, visits in Tomb Raiders 1, 2, 3, and 4. Even Richard discovering a hidden monastery in Tibet inhabited by friendly monks should be massively familiar because that's exactly what Lara did in Tomb Raider 2. But Richard is, at his core, an historian and researcher. He may have travelled, but he isn't an adventurer, at least not in the way that Lara is. He's much more likely to be found with his head buried in a book than he is in the dusty bowels of a cursed ruin. So what would that game look like? Library Raider? Well, not quite. At least I'd hope not, because as much as I'd love to explore an absolutely massive library, personally, I don't think that would make for a very good game. But what about a purely exploration-based game? Really amp up the explorer side to his character, following pieces of treasure maps and finding clues to the ancient truths he was trying to unlock. The secret vault he built beneath Croft Manor could be a hub where he stores his artifacts and treasures, or even an interactive menu that let the player choose where to investigate next based on a giant world map. Perhaps his adventures would take a form closer to Lara's at the start of Rise of the Tomb Raider, where she travels to Syria to pick up his trail. She finds herself in some dark and decrepit catacombs, examining murals and deciphering ancient writings on walls. Honestly, that doesn't sound like it would be something out of the realm of possibility for a game based around Richard. It's definitely something that could happen in Peru, in Egypt, Greece, and China, though things might get a bit trickier in the ancient tombs and temples department when we get to Venice unless they took an Assassin's Creed 2 approach and had him deciphering artwork from the old Italian masters. No doubt the stories and myths he'd be investigating there would be a similar vein to the Deathless Prophet. He'd possibly even be investigating the story of Jesus, since many depictions of biblical iconography are visible throughout the many churches and basilicae around Venice, and almost always deal with immortality and or resurrection. As for Antarctica, well, Let's just say I'd be very interested to explore the icy cliffs and undiscovered caves, possibly discovering remnants of a forgotten race and the ruins of a city lost to time and knowledge. And here I am referencing Lovecraft's Mountains of Madness, when yes, I'm aware that could quite easily just have described Rise of the Tomb Raider and the search for Katesh. But such a story could quite easily have had a nice sci-fi horror twist, 
which if I'm honest I think I'd quite like within the context of a game about ancient artifacts, death and resurrection. It leads me on quite nicely into saying that Richard isn't a fighter. It's one of the reasons he hired Roth as a bodyguard on his journeys, since he likely expected to find himself in some dangerous places surrounded by dangerous people. In terms of gameplay, a few options present themselves here. A game where you play as Richard but Roth is an NPC who does all the fighting for you, picture a shootout in an old ruin, Roth providing cover fire while the player as Richard ducks and covers his way to safety. Or perhaps the gameplay would switch to Roth during fights and you take over control and have to protect Richard in that sense. Or perhaps Roth isn't involved at all. Picture a game which required some serious stealth to work. You have to create diversions and distractions in order to get around enemies. Picture Trinity soldiers guarding the entrance to a dig site, but the player, as Richard, is throwing stones to direct attention, maybe letting the handbrake off some large maintenance equipment, and before you know it a giant digger has accidentally rolled over some Trinity guards and caused enough fuss to allow Richard to sneak into the dig site undetected. He may be no good with guns or fists, but what if we wanted to take a slightly more traditionally Tomb Raidery route for combat? and the scholar used the power of various artefacts he found to defeat those who stood in his way. Although, not to be too shady, but if this needed to stay true to his story, he didn't exactly find many artefacts like that, so perhaps it's a bit of a dead-end idea. And speaking of artefacts, what did Richard actually find on his travels? From the Blood Ties DLC and Rise of the Tomb Raider, we do find some of his belongings. Some are very personal effects, such as things that once belonged to his wife. Others are things like the scroll which led him to the monastery in Tibet, and something that will leap out to fans of Tomb Raider 2, a jade dragon statue with links to the Temple of Xi'an. We can deduce from one of the stickers on his travel case that he did at one point visit China. So perhaps he was actively investigating the Temple of Xi'an. Why? Knowing what we know about Richard and his obsessions, I think it's fair to say he'd heard of the Dagger of Xi'an and how one of its alleged properties was a form of immortality it gave to those who used it. And now I'm picturing him using it on Amelia and all of a sudden he doesn't have a dead wife but he does have a massive dragon shaped hole in the floor of Croft Manor. Some of Richard's other artifacts from around the world suggest links to stories of immortality and resurrection too. Lara finds an Ankh and a bust of Anubis, which can simply be seen as symbols of Egypt and a throwback to the Last Revelation but they're quite specific objects. The ancient Egyptians believed that our time on Earth is only part of an everlasting life, and that life went on when our time was up. The Ankh symbolised both our living life and the next one. Anubis was the god of embalming and of the afterlife. Richard also had a statue of a phoenix, the mythological bird famed for being a symbol of death and rebirth, chaotic fire and being reborn from the ashes. But as a concept, searching for proof of resurrection is something that could greatly be expanded on in-game. Many myths from a variety of cultures talk about a descent into the underworld. The Babylonian goddess Inanna descended into the underworld, was killed and reborn. When Jesus was crucified, he descended to hell, saved the righteous, and was resurrected. In Greek mythology, Orpheus descends into Hades in order to save his beloved Eurydice, and attempt to bring her home. It brings to mind the events of Tomb Raider Underworld, which, 
even though a completely different incarnation of Richard Croft, he was still searching for a means to see his apparently deceased wife. In that story, Lara spends a great deal of time following her father's footsteps to find the truth behind underworld myths across the world in an attempt to find out what happened to her mother. She eventually finds her in Helheim, which was both a remnant of Atlantis and a Norse underworld. While Lara is too late to save her mother, there's another aspect of that story which could certainly have intrigued both incarnations of Richard Croft, a glowing blue substance known as Eater. Now, Eater is a bit of a puzzler because it acts both as a deadly poison that kills Lara on contact, but also as an elixir of life, which bestows some form of immortality. As Lara notes in her journal, This is similar to the Hindu concept of Amarita, or Ambrosia to the Greeks. Only the Norse came the closest to the literal truth, that the substance was indeed a poison, and in fact only gave the appearance of eternal life in the animation of corpses. Reading into this, we can determine that Eater will kill you, but then resurrect you as a sort of zombie, which is, sadly for that incarnation of Amelia Croft, what had actually happened to her. So coming back to the survivor version of Richard, zombies is another interesting concept which would have been interesting to explore in the framework of a game with little combat. I'm not suggesting it should be the kind of terrifying, stressful experience you get from Resident Evil when you run out of bullets and you forgot you stashed your knife in a trunk and you just have to weave between hordes of undead bitey boys, but something, perhaps paradoxically, with less of a horror feel might be quite interesting to explore. Imagine a sort of crossover between the events of the Underworld story and the Survivor story. Let's say she perished in the Himalayas, but the elixir of life that the monks crafted used Eater as one of the ingredients. Amelia was reanimated, but technically a zombie. Richard brings her home, and the story is effectively about him hunting for a cure. If, as a throwback to an early episode of Raidercast, we go with a saying of any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, we could have had a game crafted around the idea that Richard is trying to find an ancient artifact that science can harness and regenerate her body and mind like an anti-umbrella corporation of sorts. But listen to me, I'm rambling, coming up with bizarre theories that just couldn't fit. They wouldn't fit. They wouldn't work, would they? It's less of a premise for an entry into the Tomb Raider series, as it is an homage to the extraordinary adventures of Adele Blanc's sec comic and film, which sees the titular character hunting for arcane magic to revive a loved one. It raises the question, can Tomb Raider be Tomb Raider without Lara in the starring role? That's something I'm going to say for another episode because there's so much to unpack with that, but what I will finish on however is saying why I, even having unearthed and rifled around in Richard's business and pondered ways in which we could play as this monumentally important figure in Lara's life, why I wouldn't want this and why I don't think he could fit as the star of Tomb Raider. In Lara's world, she literally raids tombs, that's like her main thing. I love doing it, and if you're a Tomb Raider fan too, then I venture a guess that you love doing it as well. She's symbolically digging up the past, she resurrects these myths and we live them through her adventures. In Richard's world, he sees beyond this, beyond death, for another life, a continuation. Throughout his life, he sought two truths, immortality and resurrection. He failed to properly realise a truth he once acknowledged that we live on through our progeny. Our genes, DNA, experiences, passed through the generations. Perhaps this is the simple truth of eternal life, and I've just been too stubborn to accept it. 
If he'd succeeded in his quest and brought the secrets of resurrection and immortality to the world, then tombs would quite literally become obsolete. There would be no use for them, no ancient rulers to bury, no treasures taken to the grave. As a result, everything we love about Lara and her adventures would be irrelevant. Richard's journey would have led him to effectively be the anti-Tomb Raider, and that, if for no other reason, is why his presence would not work in Lara's place. Whew. If you stuck with me for this episode and my blasphemous rambling, thank you. Be sure to follow along at RaiderCastPod on Twitter, subscribe on your favourite streaming platform, and be sure to check out the YouTube series for all the extra animated goodness. See you next time.